0: and the full interview archive is also available at youtube.com slash Scott Horton Show.
1: Okay, you guys, on the line, I've got Matt Taibbi again, thank goodness. He is at racket.news, and um, he's also at Public Well, what the hell is it? They're going to call it public.substack.com um, for a couple of the important pieces we're going to be discussing today. He is, um, of course, formerly at Rolling Stone Magazine. And wrote a whole bunch of great books, including Hate Inc., all about the media that I know you'll really like. And he's been doing some campaign coverage lately, but boy, he's got a big one on Russiagate here. Welcome back to the show, Matt. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Scott? I'm doing great. And by one, I meant series on Russiagate here. And um, you're sharing a byline. Introduce us to your byline shares, if you would, please.
2: Sure, it's Michael Schellenberger from Public, uh, and his partner uh, Alexander Gutentag, his writing partner, that is. Um, you know, Michael is one of the Twitter Files reporter reporters, and mm-hmm. we uh, testified together on the Hill. Right. Okay. Great.
1: And now, I love the headline. I knew you were going to get to this eventually. Untitled mm-hmm. Gate. I says, Matt, get back to work on that untitled gate, man. I need to know what happened at the beginning of this thing here. And, of course, you're the one who's going to tell me I knew it was true. And now here it's the future. And it came true. CIA well, had foreign. Huh? Wait, yeah, what? I forgot all about all about that. But, yeah. Yeah. Right. No, this is like the most important thing that never happened. Only now it did. Um, CIA had foreign allies spy on Trump team, triggering Russia collusion hoax sources say, and there's a couple more that we're going to talk about too, but this gets right to it. John Brennan, the leader of Jabhat al-Nusra, he's the one who got this whole ball rolling in the year 2015. Is that correct?
2: Yes. Well, we've been told a couple of different versions of this story, so I should just give the background on what the story is. In 2017 and 2018, the House Intelligence Committee was run by a Republican. Is this okay if I do this? Because it, it's floor, not going to make sense. Otherwise. Of course, The floor is yours. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, it's early 2017. Trump has just become president. The world's losing its mind over Russia Gate, if you remember, and the um the House Intelligence Committee at the time. Uh, the Republicans were in control of the House, and it was the chairman was a California congressman named Devin Nunes, and he started a an investigation in the Permanent Select Committee on Investigations, which in DC is nicknamed "Hipsy," um, and they they worked on this for two solid years, and only a portion of that research ever got out uh you might be familiar with the noon's memo or the Nunes memo Mm -hmm. which um alleged abuses of the fisa intelligence process Uh, there was a lot of controversy and then finally it turned out to be true after an inspector general report so the story that we got every a lot of people heard the same basic story six years ago that what these what that team had um, was evidence of a kind of a broad espionage campaign and, among other things. and uh, it, it's sort of a manufactured intelligence story similar to the WMD scandal. And, but we just couldn't report it because we didn't it's all classified and it, it's been blocked. And finally some of it trickled out. So we had enough sources who could only re- uh, from recollections, um, recall the research and reports uh, that, that, was, that were done But when we finally got enough to coincide We were able to report certain things Like, for instance, that there were 26 Trump associates uh, Who were placed under surveillance Beginning either in late 2015 or early 2016 Depending on who you talk to uh, Certainly by March of 2016 it
1: was starting Mhm. And then but in other words then it's completely clear now as although anyone could have assumed that Miss Food and the entire Papadopoulos thing that set up originated with this same operation for one is that correct?
2: Yes. Yes. And and one, one of the things that was told to us kind of offhandedly and this this is one of the things that happens in journalism every now and then where, where somebody's talking to you and, and they think they're telling you something really important about one thing. And they kind of casually drop something else that blows your mind. Uh, they, they were talking about how basically they couldn't find anything that w- was like concrete evidence of real interactions with Russians between, uh, you know, tr- with Trump's team. And they, and they casually drop the news that, yeah, we find that they were talking to this Maltese professor who turned out to be an MI6 agent. <laughs> and so they're, they're referring, obviously, to Joseph Mifsud, the, the uh, Maltese professor who ostensibly is the beginning of this whole story. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, it's been speculated that he's been a foreign agent and we still can't prove it. But that's something that's in a report somewhere in a vault in Langley let's just put it that way
1: well yeah that's one more source for sure and you know in my book i say well if anything the guy must be mi6 if you look at how close he is to these various people and the various things he was involved in um
2: right right i mean and he's disappeared since that time um although we you know we, we have we have some interesting information about where he might be um but Uh, Yeah, the idea that he was, you know, some kind of a Russian cutout was never terribly meaningful Mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, convincing.
1: Okay, but so to rewind a step here, you're saying Mm -hmm. that this House committee had all this information, and you've known a bit of this, but now you got enough of it that you can stand on it and really report it out. That before, say, for example, the Guardian story says that, oh, GCHQ overheard something in 2015, that this was before that, that even that would have been probably like parallel construction or at least maybe kind of a limited hangout explanation leaked to the Guardian after the fact, but still saying that this thing began not with Food the spy blabbing to Papadopoulos, who then blabbed to Downer, the Australian diplomat, and that got around to the FBI in July... But that this started way before that and they were the ones who had sick, missed foot on poor Papadopoulos in the first place. And then I guess that raised all kinds of questions about how he was sent there by his friends in the first place to go to Rome uh, to this Italian spy training school cut out weird thing where he was, where they had this conversation in the first place. Right.
2: Right. And then he was offered, you know, some money to write a paper and all this other crazy stuff. But I, I think what you, when you described, um, you know, the situation with that explanation about GCHQ, um, you know, the stories that came out in the guardian and, and uh, the New Yorker, I, I tend toward the second explanation that, that, that this is kind of an after the fact uh, reconstruction, like a pre bunking uh, type of situation because we, we were told sort of the exact opposite that um instead of what those stories say which is that uh the british intercepted what they called a stream of illicit communications um and you know notified us uh that it was actually the other way around that you know we contacted them and 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 that was the predicate for this whole thing
1: We, you mean CIA contacted? The CIA, yeah, exactly. The the CIA
2: was at the behest of the CIA and the American intelligence community. Mm -hmm. At requests went out, we were told to multiple uh, foreign allies to engage in various types of surveillance and what they call bumping, right? So that's when you have um, an informant Kind of run into somebody like literally in the it can happen in a stairwell you you bump into somebody or you set up a meeting of some kind you offer something or other um you know a job and you know that describes what happened to papadopoulos pretty well uh and all, all of that stuff started to take place uh well before the fbi investigation so this this kind of explains um you know certain things like what you know why why was why was George Papadopoulos already already wrapped up in all this bizarre activity um, having come from uh, the the Ben Carson campaign uh, way before the FBI started its investigation? It doesn't make sense unless they were looking. somebody was looking at him beforehand. Mm-hmm. and that's what we were told.
1: Mm-hmm. And now 26 targets. So beyond Papadopoulos, we can presume, or you know for sure that that does mean Carter Page and/or Mike Flynn as well?
2: Yeah. Well, so the people that we can confirm absolutely are the, you know, the five FBI targets. So that's Carter Page, uh, Papadopoulos, Michael Flynn, Paul Manafort, and uh, this gentleman named Walid Fares, who um, his, his FBI code name was Crossfire Wind. Uh, there's also uh, Sam Clovis. We know that he was, um he was approached by, uh, an FBI, the informant Stefan Halper uh-huh. um, and there's a few others who are a little bit surprising who are on this list uh, you know, Chris Christie was actually monitored I think kind of accidentally but it happened there there was a, uh, a briefing of the Trump campaign we didn't even put this in the story uh, but there was a briefing of the Trump campaign where normally Uh, you know a major party candidate is sort of briefed on possible national security issues before the election just so they can hit the ground running. Uh, Instead of doing that normal briefing they had an FBI agent sit in and spy on the three members of the Trump team and record their observations and comments in case uh, any of them said anything incriminating about Russia and it was Trump Flynn and Chris Christie. So we know they they were also um, part of the surveillance.
1: Wow. Um, And, you know, I guess we could go back to something that you point out in paragraph two of y'all's piece here that this is completely illegal. Who the hell did they think they are framing up bumping into a major party candidate for president of the United States? He was by then by far the presumed front runner. Might as well have already been the nominee by then. And oh right! Yeah. they're the secret no, I mean, police with no authority to do such a thing whatsoever. Absolutely, I mean the,
2: the implications of this are are completely crazy. Um, they have always justified this on the grounds that well, they had something, they had something to go on, they had a reasonable suspicion. Um, all those stories you mentioned, right? Like one of them, I think, was called. Um, you know, the the British had the story for, oh, the British spies were first to spot Trump's team, uh, Trump team's links with Russia. They all suggested that there was, you know, they were capturing something nefarious that justified all this activity. But they never told us what the nefarious thing was, which should have been a huge red flag for all the reporters who covered this. And now it turns out that uh, th- there was no national security justification. We were told point blank. Uh, by the investigators or by the people sort of around this team um, that there were, there was no national security reason. This had nothing to do with our relationship with Russia. This was all about just taking advantage of a uh, politically inexperienced, quote-unquote, rookie uh, Trump team uh, be, because these were people who might not have seen this kind of thing coming. Uh, and I think that was one of the major things that we got was was this whole idea that this was not... Um, you know, a, a failed, mishandled national security investigation. It was something that was political from the start.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, so, um, let me change the subject a little bit back to some previous journalism that you mm-hmm. published at your site. It's the story of this guy Stephen Strange or Strange, sorry, Strange. Uh, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and so he told the story that now you know, is consistent with this and fits a little better about how he had invited Paige, no hard feelings, no ill intent implied or intended there. But then what happened was Richard Dearlove of the Downing Street memo showed up and talked with Halper and all of a sudden Halper went over and started talking to Page. So the implication being that Dear Love had told Halper, hey, that Page guy works for Trump. You should go and nail him. And so then that's exactly what he did. And this was the starting, uh, you know, the beginning of the framing of Carter Page. And so then does that fit with the rest of what you've learned here, too?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that that story that we did, I think it was in 2019. um, 20. Steve uh did he he worked uh, he was in cambridge uh stephen halper was a cambridge university uh professor and Schrag sort of worked worked under him and uh yeah uh he he listened to to halper talk constantly he eventually got him on tape saying all kinds of crazy things but the the key thing that you're talking about is that you know, Halper ran into page um, at a conference uh, in July of 2016. This is before the FBI, the start of the FBI investigation. And that scene that you describe, um, it, you know, where Dear Love is sort of pointing out page, it, it strongly suggests that something was up before J- July 31st, right, like all the paper on helper is kind of post July 31st it's kind of front dated but that story by Shrig uh, definitely suggests that something was up before then and that fits with all the other stuff that we know about you know Papadopoulos being run into you know by various
1: characters so mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. hey y'all i got a new coffee sponsor Moondo's artisan coffee at moondoseartisancoffee.com when i wake up in the morning i feel like my brain is all dried out I need to pour a hot mug of rich, tasty coffee all over it to get it back working again, like 10W30 for the noggin. Though not necessary, it helps if the coffee tastes good. Well, Mundo's Artisan Coffee does taste good. They get the best beans from all around the world, and they don't burn them. Support the show and support your brain at moondosartisancoffee.com. Just click the link at the right margin at scotthorton.org.
0: Hey, guys. I have some wasps in my house. So I shot them to death with my trusty Bug Assault 3.0 model with the improved salt reservoir and bar safety. I don't have a deal with them, but the show does earn a kickback every time you get a Bug Assault or anything else you buy from Amazon.com by way of the link in the right-hand margin on the front page at scotthorton.org. So keep that in mind. And don't worry about the mess. Your wife will clean it up. Well, folks, sad to say, they lied us into war.
1: All of them. World War I, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Iraq War I, Serbia, Afghanistan, Iraq War II, Libya, Syria, Yemen, all of them. But now you can get the ebook All the War Lies, by me, for free. Just sign up for the email list at the bottom of the page at scotthorton.org, or go to scotthorton.org slash subscribe. Get All the War Lies, by me, for free. And then you'll never have to believe them again. And... Yeah, it's funny because I got two windows open. One of them to your great new journalism and then the other to my book that has all this stuff I've collected, including a lot of your great journalism over the years on this subject. And so I got all my footnotes here and everything I'm paging around. What was that guy's last name again? But um, so oh, so he,
2: so you, so you, you're completely you're obsessed with this thing, too, right? Oh, uh, uh, yeah.
1: No, I'm out of my mind. I mean, I don't know what I'd do without you, pal. But yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's a, to me. It's like Waco or something. I'm not getting over it. Uh, it's like lying us into a rock war, too. It's, it's unbelievable what they did. And I'm not a Trump guy. I've never been any more than you are, but just, I don't care if they had done this to Hillary Clinton, I would have took her side against the secret police. You know what I mean? This whole thing is completely crazy. And and so speaking of which was, um, I was going to say I have here in front of me was Steele's main source, Igor Danchenko later Mm. told the FBI that he got Carter Page's name from Halper. So Halper oh, then, after that. framing wild. the guy up, then went and told the source for the Steele dossier, "Hey, you, uh, get some stuff on this page, guy, in there." Wow! And that's, so, you know
2: that's that's fascinating, right? Yeah, uh, and
1: that's from the um, FBI interview uh, of Danchenko.
2: Hmm. I'm gonna look so, that up right now. Okay, excellent.
1: Yeah, dude. Um,
2: no, because that the, the that's another thing. We had a, we had a little bit of you know, back and forth about what the relationship was between all this surveillance and the Steele dossier. And, you know, they were sort of suggesting, as opposed to the campaign driving the surveillance, which is what I think a lot of us thought. um, It might have been the other way around. Uh, The CIA did not have this direction about Russia initially. Um, they were looking in all directions, they were monitoring conversations between uh, Trump officials and people all over the world, including people like Mohammed bin Salman. Uh, and you you see that reflected in the Steele reports, like the early ones, um, you know, they're not about Russia, they're about like Central Asia and hotels and stuff like that. And then, then they coalesce around the Russia theme uh, later. And so it would be interesting to know exactly, you know, when that decision was made but and who did it, but uh, the, the idea that they were communicating like that is fascinating.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now, so you have a sort of a side piece here about the CIA is hiding these documents. This is a side story to the story. How you know all this stuff is because the CIA, they implicate themselves in these giant reports like they did with their own secret side torture report that accidentally possibly accidentally on purpose got leaked to the senate intelligence committee before um they have the truth and so somebody got a hold of it or at least knows that it exists and um they thought they could hold on to it so oops but um it i guess it got out and disappeared again or some kind of complicated thing help me out
2: so this story is th- this is hard. Okay, so here's the, the one thing that we know absolutely for sure is that there is a short completed finished um, report about the origins of the uh, intelligence community assessment that is done. It's about somewhere between 17 and 20 pages long. And it's supposedly on the grounds of Langley has never left uh, and is in a vault. Um, there are there are uh, more materials that they've been characterized as one binder um, or three binders my suspicion is from ta- from talking to all these different people is that we're talking about three different packets that collectively are 10 inches thick because we had somebody describe a 10 inch binder binder and that just it's just hard to imagine uh, that actually existing I don't think they even make those so um but the The idea behind this is that uh, Donald Trump, absolutely for for sure, ordered a huge stack of materials declassified in the waning hours of his presidency. Uh, This order was then sent to the intelligence community to do basically sort of a logistical uh, process of redaction. And there's a check they have to go through, and they never approved it. And so even though legally, stuff is declassified when the president orders it it remains secret um, there is a small packet of about 46 pages that did get out and that stuff is really interesting uh, I'm sure you've seen it but there's a gigantic uh, you know sort of mound of stuff uh, that is still out there and still and still declassified and I'm sorry I'm still classified and we we need to see what's in that stuff
1: yeah, for sure. Okay, and now, um, well, I am afraid to move on to this other piece. If there is anything left on the original story here about the start of this thing and Brennan's role in getting this thing going in two thousand fifteen or early twenty sixteen, that I missed, should I ask you about anything on your mind there before we move on.
2: Um. Well, I mean, we we can we can come back to it. Let's let's go. Let's go to the other thing. Uh, let me let me call up the original interviews and make sure that I've got everything because,
1: uh, yeah, um, I mean, we
2: this, this next piece is the one that I spent the most time on. If you're going to if you're going to talk about the ICA.
1: Uh, yeah. So, I mean, this is huge. So for people to remember back, Trump's president elect and it's January. He's about to be sworn in. It's what. Um, remind me, was it January 17th that they put it out three days before the inauguration? It was January
2: sixth, believe it or not. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was the same coincidentally the same date um, as the the Capitol riots just earlier, right? So yeah. this is January sixth, 2000 uh, 2017, and they put out this thing, this intelligence community assessment, and it was, you know, I think a game changing document that uh, the main, the main conclusion of it was that um, Vladimir Putin had ordered a what they call an influence campaign um, in order to denigrate Hillary Clinton and help President elect Trump's electoral chances. And the thing about this is that without this ICA and if you've read this thing right um oh, it's yeah. it, if you actually read the document most people will read it and say wow I'm I, there must have been something else right because yeah it's just a gigantic catalog of like well we watched RT and there were these reports that were kind of like yeah. unflattering to the United States well and
1: in fact I think what they did was they took a 12-page report about yeah essentially whining about rt from years before and just stapled it onto the end like a high school kid would do to just pad the thing and then but meanwhile there's actually nothing of substance in there and, yeah exactly
2: yeah. and and isn't that funny because the, the, that's exactly what happened with the wmd thing they actually did take a a, a kid's um college report Mm -hmm. (laughs) The the British did uh, and turned that into one of their intelligence assessments, the so-called dodgy dossier back then. Uh, Mm -hmm. But this one, you know, uh, they they wrote this really um, oft quoted sentence. We assess Putin and the Russian government aspired to help President-elect Trump's election chances when possible by discrediting Hillary Secretary Clinton. Um, Russia's goals were to undermine faith in in the U.S. democratic process. Uh, denigrate Secretary Clinton and harm her uh, electability. Uh, We further assess that Putin and the Russian government developed a clear preference for President-elect Trump. Now, the reason this is important is because this is, it it ends up kind of serving as the the trigger for a whole series of events uh, that come afterwards, including the opening of the uh, you know the, the Mueller investigation. Mm-hmm. The Mueller investigation technically was was the continuation of the crossfire hurricane probe, but that had basically already wrapped up by this point. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just the public furor that ensued after the release of this report um, which also contained an annex uh, that was not visible to the public with the steel dossier stuff in there right uh, that leaked out. And um, so this report was critical, and the idea that Russia conducted an influence campaign—I have—I keep having to say that because they never use the word interfere. This is an important detail. Hmm. Um, the interference, the National Intelligence Council uh, later defined it as you know meddling with the the technical aspects of voting, so ballot boxes, uh, voter registration, stuff like that. So they couldn't say interference. All they could talk about was an influence campaign. But journalists added that word themselves. Right, And so, even the,
1: even the mm-hmm. influence campaign was made up. But still, and look, at the time, we covered it on the show. And uh, this jumped right out at us. We were making fun of this at the time. It says right in the ICA, it says, judgments are not intended to imply that we have proof that shows something to be a fact. <laughs> right. Okay. Right Exactly. So we might be bluffing. Says right there in the thing. So, OK.
2: Yeah. Good enough for right.
1: me to not believe any of it <laughs> right there. You know, I tell you I mean, themselves how, not to believe it.
2: How how embarrassing is that? Right. I mean, it, it, you know, th- these are people who lie for a living and they can't even, um, you know, they 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 can't even come up with something. Uh, better than that. Seriously.
1: Still, and look, by the way, I, I saw that today you put out a thing where you gave credit to a bunch of people who got things right and first on your list was Ray McGovern who's the former chief of the, chief analyst of the CIA Soviet division uh, back in the Cold War days, well, the last Cold War days and he was very good on this very point in real time back then because he is one of my go-to guys. I have him on the show all the time back then and he said, listen, I guarantee you That the Russians would prefer Hillary Clinton because Trump is a wingnut and is hard to quantify, whereas she is completely predictable. And they value that above anything else, that they know exactly what, how to measure what she will do. Whereas with Trump, he's kind of a loose cannon and nobody really knows. He could flip-flop back and forth and leave them stuck in a tougher situation, whatever, whatever. He just surmised that way back then from the very beginning. You know, as soon as this story came out, he's like, "Let me tell you something. Guarantee you, they prefer Hillary to this guy.
2: Well, that is fascinating because that's almost word for word what we got, you know, from from this uh, from these sources. Uh, they were looking at this, and I'm just going to read this to you. Um, this, this is a quote. They cook the intelligence to make it look like Putin supported Trump." The evidence points the other way. They saw Hillary as a manageable, as manageable and reflecting continuity. It was a relationship they were comfortable with. Um, all of those leaks from that Brennan report and the IC conclusion were false. Uh, the key were the things they did to cook the intelligence and to build a false narrative. And it talked about how they left out uh, lots of negative information that they had about Russia's attitude towards Trump. That they thought he was unreliable uh mercurial not steady i'm sure there were things worse than that in there but um but you know at least at least those details were out there so Mm -hmm. that that's exactly what ray was saying right
1: yep that's exactly Um, right and so you're telling me though that when brennan took his hand-picked team that they just buried all of that and trumped up what the rest saying what, – what do they even have saying that Russia supported Trump to bump up? I think there's a quote in there somewhere where the House investigators say that they tried to find what the CIA team was citing in order to support their claims and then they just couldn't find the yeah, evidence they, they, to support they, it at all.
2: It's sort of like it was for the rest of us. I mean, they, they had access to much better uh, inve- information, but they never found the source of the Nile there. Um, we know a little bit, right? Like there, there, was, a, there, there was a fascinating thing that, that they told us about where they talk about how there were three or four instances in the, in the report where they looked to see if there was a credible reporting line for the source and they couldn't find any history at all uh so you know which which suggests that they there may have been just straight up invented material in the in the report mm-hmm. but all the same it comes down to and, and, you, and you talked about the hand-picked nature of the, of the team that wrote this report mm-hmm. um, and that's different from iraq uh in a couple of ways right iraq was a national intelligence estimate which is a formal thing where every single intelligence agency gets a, um, a hand in having an opinion what they did with iraq is they just uh classified all the the negative information right where people said things like there's no operational tie between saddam and al-qaeda they just hid that from the public it's in the report but they hid it here what they did is they just kept everybody who had a different opinion out of the analytic process uh your friend ray uh you know he's the one He he's one of the people who talked about um, how the State Department had a, had a different opinion. And so the State Department's intelligence service, the INR, was just kept out. Uh, so uh, when you get down to it, uh, Brennan even overruled a couple of his own Russia experts uh, that he had brought in to do this work. And ultimately, it was publicly reported, and there were a number of stories that, that kind of talked about this as a big dramatic spy escapade. But there was a single human source who was apparently quote unquote instrumental in this conclusion. Uh, and that was this alleged exfiltrated spy uh, about whom there was a big, you know, brouhaha mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. Guy's name was Oleg Smolenkov He was a mid-level diplomat who was supposedly, he supposedly had access to the desk of Vladimir Putin. But, uh, you know, there have been subsequent events that suggest that this guy is not any kind of spy at all. And, um, you know, it's clearly the FBI, the NSA, and at least a couple of Brennan's own CIA experts were not convinced by this intelligence. Uh, So, you know, what we were told, which is that they upgraded... Unreliable sources and downgraded reliable ones Mm -hmm. that fits with the public story uh, that we that we've learned over the years.
1: Yep. And in fact, it was a big fake talking point that, hey, all 17 intelligence agencies, meaning the National Intelligence Council, they all are unanimous in this. And they pushed that, even though it was known from the beginning, as we just talked about, they published this dang thing in January. Anyone could read it. They didn't pretend in the document that it was a national intelligence estimate. It was just, that was what Hillary Clinton kept saying and the rest of the media kept repeating about it, but it was important. I forgot my source for this, but it's probably easy to find somewhere. It might even be you that there's a thing in the CIA called Russia house, which is all their Russia experts. That's all they do is sit around reading things in Cyrillic all damn day. And they weren't included. (laughs) They had nothing to do with this thing at all. That ought to tell you everything you need to know. If, the fact that it was John Brennan, the leader of Jabhat al Nusra in Syria, you know, involved wasn't enough. But uh, that's no a whole right. Other story. And,
2: and, and in fact, that the story that you just described is like one of the most amazing media stories of, of recent memory. The, the 17 agencies thing, it came out, it's, it first came out in, in the debate with uh, Donald Trump. Hillary brought it up. Uh, she talked about all 17 agencies and you know, say that Russia is interfering with the election. Uh, then about a year later, maybe eight, nine months later, there were corrections by the AP and the New York Times. Uh, and they quietly said, yeah, it wasn't uh, 17 agencies. It was actually four. Then it turned. Then there was some testimony by James Clapper, who was the head of the um you know, he was the director of national intelligence. And he said it was three. Um And, and him, right, the The director of national intelligence is an umbrella agency. To, so he wasn't counting his own agency, because they didn't do any analytic work. Um, but what was fascinating was that when fact checkers looked back at that, like PolitiFact has a thing that says this wasn't a mistake, because the ODNI speaks for all 17 agencies, Therefore, if James Clapper is involved, it's not wrong to say that all 17 agencies contributed to the report. (laughs) That's actually still out there. So that's why there's so many of these stories out there that are not corrected because they've used this ridiculous explanation.
1: Yeah. Hey, it's like the due process for killing Alaki and his boy. Well, we talked about it in the White House. That's a due process. Was yeah, a process dude, dude that process you do
2: doesn't have to involve an act, the, the the defendant.
1: Right. Or, you know, a judiciary or even an administrative court. What the hell? We just we're sitting on the couch shooting the shit. Um, also important. Poor reality winner got herself sent to prison, well, with the help of Matthew Cole, the great betrayer of sources. Um, and uh, all to leak a document that said that the NSA didn't really stand by the CIA and FBI's claims here. They give mm-hmm. it a green line, but NSA only gives it a yellow, which means this doesn't come from us who are, you know, the knowers of all things digital on the planet, the omniscient god of the fiber optic cable, National Security Agency. This ain't coming from us, but we don't want to be rude and contradict the CIA and the FBI if they say they're sure, so here's our yellow line. That should have told everybody all you need to know right there,
2: you know? Right. The fact that the NSA wouldn't sign off is a big deal. Brennan talked about it in his book, um there's a passage in there in his book undaunted i mean god it's a horrible it's a horrible book but but uh he he talks about being disappointed in admiral mike rogers who ran the nsa back then uh that rogers and then then he had two russia experts from the cia who wouldn't go along and his his decision was to overrule because they hadn't seen all the intelligence but not just the nsa there's another subplot involving the fbi um the reporter jeff girth who wrote the columbia journalism review uh, opus about all the reporting errors in uh, in russiagate he's the only person i think who who noticed this but the fbi publicly changed their mind on this issue uh, right before the election they said that um you know the hack of the dnc was not done specifically to help trump and that they, whatever russia was doing was was just to sow discord Uh, Not for any particular candidate. And then uh, in the middle of December, they came out publicly and said, yeah, we're now going to back the CIA's position on this. And Comey, when he testified, said that we didn't come to that conclusion until December. So up until the election, they didn't believe it either, which should tell you something.
1: Yeah. And they were the ones doing the line. Sometimes it's hard to send the memo around when everybody's just whispering what we're supposed to believe here. Right. Right. Exactly. It's, it's, it's just
2: crazy. It
1: is. Hey, y'all. Scott here. Let me tell you about Roberts and Roberts Brokerage, Inc. Who knew? Artificial bank credit expansion leads to price inflation and in terribly distorted markets. If you've got any savings left at all, you need to protect them. You need to put some, at least, into precious metals. Well, Roberts and Roberts can set you up with the best deals on silver, gold, platinum, and palladium. And they've been doing this since 1977. Hey, if you just need some sound advice about sound money, they're there for you too. Call Tim Fry and the guys at 800 874 9760. That's 800 874 9760. Or check them out at rrbi.co. That's rrbi.co. You'll be glad you did. Hey, y'all, you should sign up for my Substack. It's scotthortonshow.substack.com. And if you do that, you'll get the interviews a day before everybody else. But not only that, they will be free of commercials. How do you like that? Pretty good, huh?
0: scotthortonshow.substack.com. Hey, y'all, LibertasBella.com is where you get Scott Horton Show and Libertarian Institute shirts, sweatshirts, mugs, and stickers and things, including the great top lobsters designs as well. See, that way it says on your shirt why you're so smart. Libertas Bella, from the same great folks who bring you Ammo.com for all your ammunition needs, too. That's LibertasBella.com.
1: You know, we got to bring up here, I think, and talk about the role of Gina Haspel here. Because one, I don't know that much about it. But two, also, I like to just clown on Trump that... How lazy is this guy that he's the president of the United States of America and he's appointing his deadly enemy to be the head of the CIA in the middle of all of this going on? And he has no idea who she is or why there might be a conflict of interest here at all. I guess it didn't occur to him at all to try to find a loyalist somewhere with the credentials to put in place there. But no.
2: Well, Right. Yeah. I mean, Gina Haspel is smack dab in the middle of this whole story. She was station chief of the CIA in London when this was all happening, which means that this whole thing couldn't have happened without her say so, because when the FBI wanted to go to England and launch their crossfire hurricane uh, investigation, they needed the permission of the British government You have to make overtures to the intelligence community. That has to be done from another intelligence agency, which means that the CIA station chief in England had to negotiate that deal. So she was in the middle of this. Uh, She was also in the middle of the moment when an Australian diplomat named Alexander Downer allegedly walked in off the street with information about George Papadopoulos talking about the Russians having dirt on Hillary Clinton. Uh, you know, that's a highly malodorous story. so she's she's a character in this story. Uh, and yet when this uh, House Intelligence Committee uh, group put together this report, she continually blocked its release. And you know that's one consistent thing we heard from multiple sources around around this whole thing, w- w- which is that Gina wouldn't let it out. And you know Trump was trying to declassify this, and his own handpicked CIA head is the one that uh, didn't let it happen. Also, I just wanted—I'm not sure if you remember the story, but do you remember after the Sergei Skripal thing um, took place, there was a crazy story in the New York Times about how Gina Haspel was showing do- uh, Donald Trump pictures of dead ducks, uh-huh. implying that Russian poison was was killing all these animals in the area in England and they were fake the, the pictures were fake and uh, they didn't
1: show that even to you know they didn't have bellingcat put that out on twitter and they, they only use that on trump like he's the biggest sucker of all just show him some dead ducks right yeah it, it, it was
2: it was fake news just for him right amazing. and it was done by his, by his own cia head and that came out publicly uh and and he's you know Look, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of evidence that the Trump team, for all uh, whatever else is going on, they just were blindsided by this whole thing. They they weren't experienced. They hesitated to strike back quickly at the beginning because I think they were unsure. You know, I had one person say to me like, well, "We didn't know. Maybe somebody had a meeting somewhere, right?"
1: Mm-hmm. Um.
2: So well, you know.
1: I don't know Mm -hmm. if if you remember this footnote, but you need it just in case somewhere. I think it's really important. I got it from Bob Woodward's book and nowhere else, and we only found it out years later. And I'm sorry I forget which book. They all have one-word titles, you know, but I'm sure everybody can find it. Um, But what it is is it's Trump's lawyer, Dowd. As soon Mm -hmm. as Trump becomes president, Dowd says to Trump, listen, man, come on. It's me. I'm your lawyer. It's just us here. Tell me, did you do this? And Trump says, hell no, I didn't do a thing, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, all right, well, here's what I want to do. I want to take every scrap of paper from the campaign. I want to turn it all over the special counsel right now. So I guess this would have been right after Mueller was named. And then Mueller's right-hand guy is this guy, is it Andrew Feinberg? Weissman. Weissman, sorry. Um, And he says, Trump says, go ahead. So they take every scrap of paper. They don't sift anything. They just take the whole pile, and they give it to Mueller's aide. And he says, and Dowd says, listen, we're being decent and fair and upfront with you. We hope that you'll treat us with mutual respect here, and we'll, like, you know, do this thing fairly. So, come on. This is a gesture of goodwill on our part. Here's everything we got, because we know how innocent we are. And then... They just continue to screw him for another two years straight after that. <sighs> they pretend to investigate for another two years straight after that.
2: Well, and that's, that's a crazy story. And you know what's frustrating about that is that there, there are all these legends about Donald Trump, the anti-democratic menace, and you know, he's going to do all of these terrible things. It, it, it would have been probably legal. For him to send, you know, SWAT teams rappelling through the windows of all the, the people involved in this whole thing, um, and have and have them whisked away to, you know, supermax prisons in Florence, Colorado, or, or whatever it is. And at the very least, you know, when the the first stories about the P tape leaked out, he should have hauled those four intelligence chiefs uh, in for a meeting and said, you know, you guys have. 20 minutes to explain this or else you're all gone. Uh, But they didn't do that, you know, um, because they, uh, they just didn't know what to do. I mean, I, I, this is, they're not experienced at this game. I mean, of course I'm not either, but I I think a lot of, uh, you know, George HW Bush wouldn't have been fooled by this thing. Right. I mean, the head of the former head of the CIA. So yeah, that there's an element of not knowing what these people are capable of, which is important here. Yeah.
1: Well and look I mean out here in the peanut gallery we knew what to do which was at the very least they should have been keeping up to date on Taibi and Mate right because <laughs> and you of course and and look, I mean, whatever. I, they don't got to listen to my show. But, I mean, hey, David Stockman, he's a good capitalist, former Reagan advisor. He was killing it on this day in and day out for years. Oh, I didn't realize and, that. Oh, it? yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, best of the best, Sheldon Richman at uh, the Libertarian Institute and, and lots of people. Um, but the real thing is more important than that is the, and the most important probably for Trump's purposes would have been to highlight Aaron Maté in the Nation magazine. That Mm -hmm. should have been all capital letters on his Twitter feed. Hey, everybody, look, even the liberals admit that I'm not guilty. And then but he didn't even have the wherewithal to do that, to keep up with. There's a a group of and throwing Gareth Porter and, of course, Ray McGovern and others. all these people who are on the left who are do not favor Trump. But they also do not favor lies coming out of the FBI and the CIA either. And they're just debunking this story because it's not true. That should have been the Trump people's highest priority at the very least would have been to trumpet all of the work proving their innocence coming from the left. And they didn't even do that once. And they didn't have the wherewithal to even do that at all. You would think that that guy, Stephen Miller, somebody would have come up. Someone would have had an intern collect all the best. I mean, hell, never mind Chuck Ross and all the guys on the right doing great work, right? Right. But like Mm -hmm. from a culture jamming point of view, you want to cite the liberals. That's even better, right? But like they didn't even cite Chuck Ross. They just weren't even on it at all. Well, I mean, you make
2: a a really good point. And I think, by the way, that's probably the reason that, you know, Aaron was squeezed out of the nation and democracy now. Glenn ended up, Glenn Greenwald ended up kind of squeezed out of, the intercept, even which he had found it, I, I, you know, I wasn't fired, but it was uncomfortable, and you know, the writing was on the wall at Rolling Stone.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I think because all these organizations knew that it was political, um, you know, it was, it was radioactive to have anybody uh, in a mainstream organization talking about how how phony this whole thing was which is why you see what's happened to people like Barry Meyer, right? Who is a, you know, very respected New York times reporter. He wrote a book about steel and now, now he's persona non grata in in that world. So. I didn't um, know that one. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's not an accident that there's nobody left in mainstream media who, who talks about this.
1: Yeah. Hey, and as long as uh, we're daydreaming about how this could have gone different, another one is, and this is something that Ray suggested right away too, is that Trump should have given a speech on the order of like the Saturday night massacre situation and said, look, the special counsel and all of his men and the top 25 guys at the FBI and the Department of Justice, you're all fired, all of you, and you're gone, and security, get them out the door right now, but, 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 I also hereby declassify everything that justice and FBI and NSA and CIA have on me and my team, and I hereby order it to be copied in quadruplicate and delivered to the Washington Post and the New York Times and National Public Radio and the Wall Street Journal, and you sons of bitches do your worst. And so you can't (laughs) impeach me until the reporting is done, but... You go ahead and see what's there because I know how innocent I am, but I'm not going to let you ruin the whole damn presidency this way by bogging me down on these lies. Forget it. And that probably would have worked because what could they have said to that? Well, We did order the government to turn every scrap of paper over to us. And maybe we should take a look at it. Yeah, I don't know.
2: Yeah, the, what were they? What would they say? No, right? You know I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: Mara Lyason and her team—they'll—they'll they'll find the treason in that stack of papers. Lena, <laughs> let them go.
2: Exactly, exactly. Mm. You no, know, that makes a lot of sense. They should have done
1: that yep. for sure. And for and sure. McGovern recommended that in real time. You know what I mean? It would have oh. been outrageous, but then also it would have been like, eh. Then again, that makes sense at the same time too. You know what I mean? So right, 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 right. Anyway. Absolutely. Um, all right, so uh one last thing before I let you go here, because I do have a minute before I have to um this is a really important story that you wrote too. why even Democrats should care about the cooked intelligence Russiagate scandal. This is, in other words, all the reasons that you cared, even at the time, not that you're a Democrat, you're a journalist, obviously first, but you also wrote the book insane Clown President about. Who Donald Trump is to you, which says a lot right there. So, you know, what's the larger principle at stake here that matters so much, you think?
2: The, you know, the both the Iraq episode uh with the national intelligence estimate, when we didn't hear the truth for 12 years. I mean, they told us the parts that they wanted us to hear, uh, and then they left out all the derogatory information and it wasn't declassified for 12, 12 years. You know, that that's basically what's happening now. It's, you know, they put out something phony and then it leaks out four or five, eight years later, whatever it is. Uh, it's too late at that point. Um, you know, ma- manufactured intelligence, no matter what the subject is, it, it has a profound impact on politics because they can argue for almost any kind of action. And the public's attention span just isn't equal to the level of trickery that they're able to to bring out with this stuff Uh, so i I think people need just need to bring a level of skepticism that's even degrees higher than you know it's been since 9 11 um and the wmd fiasco because now we know that they're you know they'll lie openly in these things Mm -hmm. and um we just got to be on the lookout for it
1: yeah well i mean it's such an important cultural phenomenon the way that the left kind of joined forces with the liberals in rallying around the national security establishment. Because it's not even the FBI. We're talking about the national or the FBI's counterintelligence division and the CIA here. They're the ones kind of generating this thing. And then, but since Trump is the infection, then they're the antibodies. And so the left sides with the national security state against the elected president in such a harsh way. And now it's taken, I guess, finally, the war in Israel-Palestine to split the left away from the liberals again on, you know, whose side are you on on these things? But now here we go again. It's election years we're talking about right now. And, you know, we skipped, um, you know, we haven't talked about the, uh, you know, laptop gate, uh, you know, crisis there, but everybody listening to this knows that story anyway. So we have, The national security state, the FBI and CIA intervened in the last two elections against Donald Trump. And they're virtually certain to this time. And then there's a real question then about what's this left and liberal sometimes alliance going to do with each other and with the rest of us in reaction to that, you know?
2: Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. That's true.
1: Well, I guess we'll find out what they have in store for us this year. But uh, thanks a lot Absolutely. for your time, man. Really appreciate it, Matt. All right. Thanks a lot, Scott. And hope to talk to you soon. Yep. All right, you guys. That's great. Matt Taibbi, he's at racket.news. And also, uh, this series is uh, also at public.substack.com.
0: The Scott Horton Show Anti-War Radio can be heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. APSradio.com antiwar.com, scotthorton.org, and libertarianinstitute.org. dot org.